Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. Today, we are going to be talking about what it takes to be a female entrepreneur and how getting your first endorsement from another business can be the catalyst to growth. Today, I'm joined by social impact pioneers Naomi Minari and Natasha Kwakwa. Naomi founded Benacare, determined to narrow the gap between the harsh realities of chronic illness, expensive healthcare, and the impoverishment, economic, and emotional effects this has on patients and their families. In just five years, Naomi set up Benacare when she was a student nurse. She has assembled a network of more than 9,800 healthcare workers to provide affordable, preventative, therapeutic, and rehabilitative care to over 4,000 people with life-limiting illnesses in the comfort of their own homes in Kenya. Alongside the healthcare workers, Benacare provide training for family carers and access to lower-costing home care medical equipment. Whilst Natasha Kwakwa is the global head of Global Impact at Standard Chartered, Natasha leads Standard Chartered's approach to positive community impact. This includes the group's contribution to the UN Sustainable Development Goals and Future Makers by Standard Chartered, their global initiative to tackle inequality. Natasha joined the bank in August 2015, and prior to joining the bank, Natasha designed and led multi-party educational and social development programmes in the not-for-profit and public sectors in the UK, Angola, West Africa and Brazil. Standard Chartered were one of the first, if not the first, to recognise Naomi and Benacare's potential. And they are here today together to share their story with us. So Naomi, Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, giving up your time to be part of this conversation. Pleasure to be thank here. for having us. Naomi, I wanted to start by talking to you first. Can you share a little bit about your business and the journey that you've been on so far to, to get you this far? Yeah, thank you, Katie. Uh, so as you have said, my name is Naomi Monari and I'm the founder of uh, Benacare. Uh, which is a social enterprise that is based in Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, what Benacare does is we are providing a quality and affordable care for patients with life-limiting illnesses at home. Uh, you see, I worked as a student nurse in 2017, and this is when I came face-to-face with the harsh realities of uh, long-term hospital stays and very expensive hospital care. And this then was the birth of Benacare. Now, to narrow this gap, we are building a large network of healthcare workers in our platform, where then we are able to connect them to the patients nearest to them. And uh, this uh, service costs them 10 USD per day. And then uh, through the platform as well, we are able to connect, uh, rather facilitate exchange of used and affordable home care equipment for this group. But again, along the way, we realized that this 10 USD per day is really not affordable to like 60% of the population. And so to reach the very low income areas, 
uh, we are providing training of family caregivers uh, for our communities. And a little bit of background about this is in rural Kenya and other informal settlements, when one family member is confirmed to have a chronic illness and in need of long-term care, another family member automatically steps in to provide their care to them. And mostly these are untrained women, mothers, wives, daughters, daughter-in-laws. And so we leverage of this to provide uh, training on the basics of caregiving. And so where upon training, these family caregivers are able to automatically and confidently step into their caregiving shoes, providing supportive care for their patients. And then Benacare only comes in uh, for service monitoring and clinical care. And these service costs them between one and two USD per day. And so through all these actions, we have been successfully able to lower healthcare costs by more than 50%. And we have also uh, provided a better quality of life for the patients and peace of mind for family members to return to their income uh, generating activities. Now, a little bit on how the journey has been. When I founded Benakia in 2017, I was a student. I did not have access to knowledge and skills on how to run, to start and run a business. And so like more than 80% of uh, women entrepreneurs in the sub-Saharan Africa, I had to face these challenges and barriers. And some of them were social challenges and uh, financial uh, challenges as well as uh, lack of adequate networks. But along the way, as we gathered uh, more impact and, and traction, we were able to attract the Standard Chartered Women in Tech program, where it provided a very conducive ecosystem for growth for us in terms of access to mentorship, access to uh, funding opportunities and other networks. And uh, through this, we were on a path to sustainability. When I look back, in 2017, Benacare was just that, a company that is trying to lessen the burden of healthcare for our communities. But now, through the partnerships that we have gathered along the way and our networks of healthcare workers, it's a movement or a force uh, that is um, trying to bring change in our broken and terribly inefficient healthcare system. Naam, I, I don't think you're uh, alone in talking about some really challenging healthcare situations. And um, thank you so much for sharing that. I think we've all got things to learn from you, whether as a, a female entrepreneur or indeed uh, reimagining healthcare systems. It just makes so much sense. Natasha, I wanted to bring you in now. Standard Chartered Bank have made a stand to lift participation and through that, as Naim was just talking about, really partnering to support, uh, in particular, female entrepreneurs and other sort of women like Naim around the world. Can you share a bit about why the bank has come to this point? What's your role and, and, and really kind of where you're going with it? Yeah, thanks, Katie. Um, I mean, firstly, I'm just so inspired to, to listen to Naim and your journey and your, your approach to really solving one of the most challenging social issues that I think is faced in many, many, many markets um, here too. So it's just so inspiring to hear from you. So it's, it's a privilege to be here today. To, to turn to your question, Katie, uh, I just think it's absolutely in our DNA. Um, in Standard Chartered aims to be here for good and just 
supporting young women and women-led businesses is really part of delivering on our brand promise. Our work with women in tech, um, women entrepreneurs, predates the stands. We call them as our sustainability stands. Um, and that's because we, we've long since realised that investing in young women um, has a far greater impact on communities. And yet we know women-led businesses have a struggle more than other businesses to gain access to the financial system. And that's as individuals and also as fantastic growth entrepreneurs. So about a year or so ago, the bank took a look at where we could make the most impact as a business um, and set out three kind of long-term sustainability stands. Our net zero ambitions to reset globalization and to lift participation, where I think the work that we've been doing with NOM and the Women in Tech Initiative squarely sits. So we're expanding uh, financial services access through partnerships. We do that um, through microfinance loans. In 2022, we offered over 700,000 microfinance loans globally. We've got emergent ventures with our innovation arm that support micro businesses to grow. Um, and principally through our social impact work, we have our Future Makers Initiative, of which our Women in Tech program is part. And of the 1 million young people reached, I'm really proud to say that 74% of them are young women, young women and girls. And that's starting from the root of some of the issues that face young, young women, the harmful gender and social norms that ha um, harm progression um, into the economy and prevent girls from achieving their potential to working with fast growth entrepreneurs like now. But we can't take the credit for the level of impact that our participants are having. I mean, I think that's all on you. <laughs> and so, it, and I think that's why it's such a privilege to be here talking to you today. I agree. I mean, such a privileged name. And name bringing you back in now. We're a community. Business Fights Poverty is all about helping one another. We're having this conversation around the International Women's Day 2023. And then, therefore, I, I wanted to lean in and ask you what your secret source is. Like, what have you really learned being on your journey as a female entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur anyway, social entrepreneur? What do you wish you knew back in 2017 when you started this out? What would be your advice perhaps to to others thinking, oh, you know, I've got this idea, I've just got this problem, I need to really reach in and, and try and solve it. What would be your advice to them, Naim? Thank you very much uh, for that question, because there is something that I have learned along the way, and that is there is no such thing as ready. And it would be a very sad thing if we waited to be ready for us to actually start with our solutions and change in the community. And so um, my advice to any woman out there who would like to bring change to their community uh, through the solutions that they're having to their problems is get started. And as we get started, there's something that happens to the women because we have to work uh, three times as hard uh, for us to be seen in the world that we are making the change. And so we have to be prepared for that. But most importantly, the biggest achievement can only be brought about by collaborations, by other like-minded uh, social enterprises and, and entrepreneurs, uh, because the problems that we are solving are perennial problems. 
They've been there for ages. People have tried solving these problems. And so if we come together, I think we can then produce truly sustainable social and health outcomes going forward. Great advice, everybody. You're never ready. Get going. (laughs) Have a go. Natasha, it wouldn't be fair for me just to ask that question to name. I want to bring you in as a sort of member and, and part of and leader within a multinational company and bank, what would be your advice to those sitting within other companies, other banks? How do you get going? How do you potentially make a difference and, and deliver social change? Natasha? I love Naomi's advice to just get going. And so I'd actually flip that and say, that's what I think others need to start doing. And so when we just got going, we set out, what, what are we aiming for? We're aiming to lift the participation over a billion um, young women micro businesses. And then how are we going to do that? So we set about so, um, thinking about all of the challenges and how we could solve them as a business, as a, as a foundation, and in the many ways in which we can leverage our assets and resources and our people power in all of the markets where we, where we work. And I think that, you know, corporate philanthropy works best when you do just that. You leverage your resources, you leverage your network. And think about how your people can be involved as mentors, as supporters. So we enable volunteering um, across the bank. And like Naomi said, working in partnership is also going to be key to solving some of these the, the world's biggest challenges. So I'd like to call on other banks and corporates to reach out. And I'll be doing the same because I think there's huge financing gap for women-led businesses. Um, it's not a financing gap that Standard Charter will solve alone, but would be able to solve in partnership with our clients, with our peers, with others. Um, so I think it's really going to be around how we can share our learning and where the fit is right, partner with others for greater impact. Oh, thank you, Natasha. And so if you're listening to this conversation, please do <laughs> lean into who, get involved. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's what it's all about. And um, this is a part in the conversation, we're going to slightly flip it around. I'm going to ask Naomi to ask Natasha a question. We don't often get the chance to sort of uh, speak to those who are uh, supporting and helping us, but also uh, to those who we can really kind of learn from. So uh, Naomi, do you have a question for Natasha you'd like to ask her? Yeah, thank you, Katie. And uh, I believe that Natasha, through what she has been saying, is answering a lot of questions that I had for her. And uh, if you can let us know how the bank is working towards narrowing the gap towards financing of uh, women-led businesses in in Africa and uh, not just financing but also more like narrowing the gap on the very harmful social norms that are happening in the community that then also have a direct influence on how we run our businesses. Uh, For example, women in Africa then have a problem with uh, social support from even their families so then there's need for, for banks and other partners who come forward and then speak to the communities uh, so that the women can get more support because traditionally and statistically speaking, women are the ones that actually hold the community up. Fantastic question. Thank you, Naomi. So how are we supporting women-led businesses? And I've talked a little bit about our global community initiative, Future Makers by Standard Chartered but a little less on on what that comprises. And so since, I think, 2006, we've been supporting girls and young women to develop the life skills that they need to tackle some of the 
harmful gender and social norms that they face through a program called Goal. And that's been operating in over 20 markets, including Kenya. And I think that's, that's been the really key starting point to tackle harmful gender norms. And that involves also working with families and communities around the girl child to enable her to stay in education and to go on to have the career and the life that, that she deserves. I think through our women in tech programming, that's where we reach a, a higher level of entrepreneur who's managed to break into the economic um, world and to grow a business. And through that, we've supported with seed funding, with mentoring from our staff and from our charity and business school partners. And this year, we've got a really exciting new initiative, which is going to bring together the alumni of that Women in Tech program and offer access to working capital in different forms at really, really low cost rates. What we're trying to do there is to offer patient capital and to better understand what works for women-led businesses. And we're doing it at a small scale, admittedly, over this year. But then we'll take the learnings from that. And then, then let's look about how do we scale that so that we can reach and support women-led micro-businesses all over Africa and across our footprints in Asia as well. Oh, Natasha, there are big, big ambitions there. We, we look forward to uh, hearing more about that and finding out more as they they come to fruition. And Natasha, over to you in terms of, have you got a question that you want to ask uh, Name? So I want to set out my grand plans, um, Naomi. So I'd like to hear from you. What's the future that you envisage for women entrepreneurs? Well, yeah, there's a future that I really envisage for women entrepreneurs and especially women entrepreneurs in rural areas. And this would be can they have access to social and financial support, as you have said, uh, from the communities and from the government as well? Uh, because uh, these women face a lot of challenges and barriers uh, for them to even be able to run or scale their businesses. So I envisage a community where these women receive support from their partners, from their children okay, from their social support groups and religious leaders and community gatekeepers like chiefs, where then they are able to shine out and do the best they can because then they have the social support. In addition to that, if they are able to get financial support and most importantly, financial support from banks that do not require that they have collateral because women in Africa do not have the collateral. Uh, they do not inherit. Uh, property like our male counterparts do. Uh, so we are looking forward to having a financial facility that does not uh, require traditional collateral for us to be able to access financing, but then support along the way as we continue and even knowledge and skills through acceleration over a long period of time for us to then really be able to have sustainable impact. I just would love to know what, you know, what are the biggest um, challenges that you faced in your journey as an entrepreneur, as a Kenyan woman, um, striving to make real change happen in your community? What are those biggest challenges that you've had to face? Thank you for that question, because it's, uh, it's more like a reverse of what I envisioned for the women entrepreneurs. <laughs> like I said, I was a student nurse when I founded Benakia, and so I did not have the knowledge and skills uh, to start and run a business. 
I had to learn from scratch online and, and on YouTube. Okay, I had to rely on myself for the very first year. I did not have a co-founder as well. My co-founder came along the way and even uh, the support of the team came along the way. Uh, so when I founded Benacare, all I did was talk to anyone who would listen and then uh, try and see the feedback that I could get. Uh, the other challenge I had being a student was financial support. Uh, just to start and, uh, and, and register a business and have uh, the, the essentials of running a business was very hard. Even office space, uh, to be able to pay for office space was a real problem that uh, even now entrepreneurs face here in Kenya. So having a look at that and then the social challenges of not having mentors, of not having support uh, from even your parents or the school where I was, just support to run this business. Those were very major challenges that if I had received support, I think we would be having a different script right now. Naeem, you're amazing. The more I hear about your story and the journey, the fact that you have made it up and you're so brave, but equally the fact that anybody could do, not anybody could do it, but anybody has the skills. You can make the skills. You can make it happen. You're just inspiring, Naeem. Natasha and Naeem, I'm coming to the sort of close of this bit of our conversation. And I've got one final question for both of you, which is what next? What does the next year or two hold for you? Where are you going and what should we be looking at for? Natasha, would you mind going first? Yeah, thanks, Katie. This year, I think we're really just going to double down on, on understanding the insights that we get from the data that we have for measuring impacts of our Future Makers initiative. So, and that's data in terms of the quantitative, but also hearing these stories from our, our female um, our micro entrepreneurs on what works, what are the remaining challenges, um, what more can um, the bank tackle. Additionally, I think in that that sort of idea of solutioning, it's how, who do we need to be partnering with? How do we get garner their interest, um, and how do we fix together partnerships that are going to result in much greater impact than we can create alone. And then thirdly, and I think this is really in, in line with um, Benacare, we want to focus much more on green and social business. So businesses that have real impacts in helping communities to adapt to the harmful effects of climate change and helping communities to tackle the, the, the greatest social challenges that exist. Amazing. And uh, Naomi, what is next for you, for Benacare? I'm hoping global domination and, and you know, we're going to see you everywhere. But um, what does the next year or so look like for you, Naomi? Yeah, so uh, these next two years, we are more focused on optimizing our processes in the, in the, in the company so that uh, they're very efficient to allow for onboarding and deployment of businesses all on a virtual environment. And this is in preparation for scaling geographically to other regions in Kenya. And we are also focused on increasing our service offering and more like more value-added services to our patients to help them stay at home and stay comfortable at home. Uh, one such service is uh, we're going to introduce um, renal replacement therapy that is home-based. And so we are currently doing a research on a technology assessment on the treatment modalities of chronic kidney failure in collaboration with a local university. 
And upon uh, the research, we are then able to build on that and, and uh, introduce this service that we believe is going to be a game changer for patients with chronic uh, kidney disease at home. So the next two years look good. We are looking at more impact. We are looking at sustainable outcomes on health. And we are looking at, more importantly, investing in um, health education for our communities as well. Amazing. Well, on that fantastic note to Naeem and Natasha, massive, massive thank you for joining us today, for sharing your insights, your thoughts and inspiring us, quite frankly. Natasha, Naeem, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Thanks.